You are listening to The Political Periscope, a weekly podcast brought to you by Radio WNET. Interviews on international politics, security, geopolitics, economy and more, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Today's interview is part of Radio WNET's project on the Bucharest 9, the countries of NATO's eastern flank. Our guest is Elena Poptodorova, former ambassador of Bulgaria in the United States. Political Periscope You have done so many things in your life, participated in so many events and you were the ambassador of Bulgaria to the United States for 12 years and you dealt with subjects of security with the Black Sea and so many other things that I don't even know which question to start with. What question would you like to start the conversation with? I think you should ask me um, how do I feel today after all these uh, different periods in my life when I was doing How do you feel today? Um, I feel um, like 30 years ago which may be um, kind of a good feeling from a personal human perspective, female perspective also, if you wish. But I'm uh, referring to a political feeling, to a political sentiment. And it has to do with my country uh, in particular. Uh, although you may find um, symptoms um, of such a um, uh, return to, to, to events and developments of 30 years ago in other countries as well. But I think the situation is um, more graphic, and I'm using a soft word, um, in Bulgaria. Um, when we first started opting for NATO membership 30 years ago, it was an uphill battle, um, because Bulgaria is what it is. And um, I don't want to waste precious um, um, listeners' time to explain how tight, uh, tight, T-I-E-D, uh, Bulgaria was to, 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 to the Soviet Union and uh, how a sentiment of uh, overall kind of loyalty and, and, and dedication and uh, um, affection was cultivated in generations of Bulgarians. So it was a very difficult exercise to, to bring the, the idea of NATO membership to this uh, uh, national uh, audience, to, to the national public. Um, but at that time, it was um, kind of um, all the hope and the energy and the knowledge that it is happening, it will happen, no matter how and no matter what. Um, unfortunately, today, uh, oftentimes, I have the same sensation uh, that uh, we, the, the same group of people, only 30 years later and 30 years older, will have to more or less carry the same battle uh, here uh, of informing um, uh, public opinion of uh, real facts uh, in a much more complicated and more challenging environment. Uh, 30 years ago, we didn't have the social networks. We didn't have uh, the hybrid warfare. Uh, we didn't have the... Uh, 
the fake uh, news uh, phenomenon. So in a way, it was uh, harder probably to fight emotions of people who felt they've kind of always lived uh, with and for the Soviet Union and Russia, while today you also have to fight an extremely difficult battle against um, um, fake uh, fake information, uh, disinformation, um, exploitation, as I say, of, um, uh, of ignorance, uh, but also of sentimental um, kind of feelings. So it's... Um, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult time from my perspective. Has the mentality and the way of looking at politics of Bulgarians not changed during these 30 years? It did, actually. To be perfectly honest, I would be totally unfair if I said it didn't. Uh, but what happened was that part of the population, the, the how should I put it, the pro-Western uh, group of the population was easy to move forward. Um, the two memberships were of absolutely critical nature, NATO and the European Union. But again, you will hear people say today, um, or, or, or refer today to the EU and NATO as them, they. There is not yet uh, an instinct uh, which makes the majority of the people feel they belong. Uh, and that's uh, become now more obvious with the war uh, in Ukraine. So this was, this was the big test, uh, the war in Ukraine. On the other hand, you know what, it's uh, shameful what I'm going to say, but it's a moment of truth as well. Um, that's why I'm saying we're back to our own battleground, which luckily has no... Uh, weapons uh, uh, of the classical type, but there are also weapons of mass destruction in, 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 in the sense that um, manipulating people's minds and uh, using false information is also a way of fighting, um, f fighting your own people. So it's a, it's a, it's a, difficult time now. And there are definitely, there are groups and political parties, one of them in Parliament as well, but you must have heard of that one in particular. Uh, they, they make no secret of it. They want to see Bulgaria back to where it was before it um, became member of uh, NATO and the EU. And this is a political platform. It's not just uh, kind of a uh, cheap talk. <laughs> Is it even possible to imagine such thing happening, that someone would take Bulgaria and Bulgarians back to its past? I, I want to think that same way. I, I think it's a formal kind of retreat uh, would be extremely difficult uh, to happen, and I want to think of this as an impossible uh, development. I, I do hope um, I almost believe we are beyond the point of uh, return. Uh, but in the meantime, you have this divided public opinion. Uh, this, is, this is a huge damage. Uh, you, uh, it, it's so hard to make the logical, the sensible political decisions by this government in particular, um, part of the, at least the majority party, uh, is quite clear in their own 
Euro-Atlantic um, views and um, um, policy. But being in a coalition with other parties makes it extremely difficult, and that all is explained with the public opinion. And when you have this total uh, manipulative impact on the public opinion, you'll always have a divided nation, and somebody will always refer to an opinion poll which says that 70% of Bulgarians said this or said that, and no decision will be made. And you, you, you must have, you, I understand you met with the defense minister. Drago is a former colleague of mine. I used to be his boss for a while in the ministry. Uh, he's a great guy, uh, and he is a um, um, he is, of course, um, governed by what um, uh, he's supposed to say as as, as minister. Uh, but um, the, the whole issue about the military aid to, to Ukraine, it was embarrassing, shameful, um, suffocating. You know, it, it, it's suffocating, especially when you cannot do anything to, to change it. Just today, uh, I hope somebody broke this news to you, the Ukrainian ambassador formally requested with a verbal note, which is the most official and formal way of communicating a message to another country, to, 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 to his host country, uh, asking of um, uh, weaponry from Bulgaria. And uh, the coalition partner, the Socialist Party lady, the leader of the Socialist Party, she said, no. There is a decision uh, made by the Bulgarian parliament, and it clearly says no weapons. So this is what I mean, and that works on on the general mood in the country, and works also on uh, uh, those um, opinions which sometimes may be extremely important in influencing political decisions of the country. You can still be glad that you are not Serbian, because it would be even worse. Right. Uh, it would be worse, de depending on from which point of view you're looking at it. I, I don't know about the Serbs themselves. They seem quite happy with who they are and what they are. Um, from our perspective, uh, it is true that that could be even worse, even because of our geography. Serbia is still closer to, to, to middle Europa, uh, we are in such a vulnerable geographical position that if we were Serbia, it would have been a lot worse than it is now with, with Serbia. And Serbia somehow manages to, to keep this very tricky balance, um, simply, as I say, because they, they've always had their um, kind of uh, rather skillful way of playing somehow both sides. Europe wants them inside. Europe wants them in the European Union. And uh, they use this a lot. Because you see they, they, how they behaved, how Serbia behaved vis-a-vis uh, -vis Russia. They never uh, in any way jeopardized uh, the special relationship uh, with Russia. On the other hand, they would join uh, selectively some decisions, sanctions uh, uh, of the European Union. There is another difference too. Serbia is not on the Black Sea coast and the Black Sea may be the place where the war over Ukraine will be settled in some way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what, that's what I meant by saying that Serbia is 
closer to the middle, middle Europe. Europe, right? Uh, and being a, a, a coastal country uh, for Bulgaria is even more complicated. Although I often make the argument, I do it publicly all the time, Romania is also a coastal country, uh, but they don't seem to suffer from this soul-searching, which uh, obviously uh, Bulgaria does. And yes, the, uh, you know what will happen, I think, and I hope, that um, objectively uh, inevitable decisions will kind of keep Bulgaria in the right path. Um, obviously, the eastern flank of NATO will be more and more reinforced. We will have, we will see more of NATO forces around, including in the Black Sea. And I don't know that how Bulgaria would, uh, or part of it, or some political parties in Bulgaria will be able to uh, resist this or oppose it or change it even. So I know what you're telling me, and I and I with my kind of um, rational. Uh, part I I do I do know it I do believe it because it's very very difficult to undo a, this 30 year long process but it will not be easy it will be at the expense of extreme domestic tensions that would uh, inevitably bring more um, unstable governments uh, more frequent elections but not the Italian way. Um, where uh, the economy functions, and you may change, uh, you may change governments, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, there is a foundation which stays uh, strong. With us, it's not 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 yet uh, that situation. We are still kind of trying to to build uh, uh, the foundation, and uh, it boils down to to. Uh, um, uh, solidifying the legal system in the country, uh, the rule of law, uh, this uh, nepotism in the sense of, uh, I, 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 I try to avoid the word corruption because it also became so cheap, everybody's talking about it, everybody's fighting it, everybody's analyzing it. But this is a, this is a way of life which makes it so, so uh, much more difficult to, to control. Uh, and yes, you have to start from somewhere in order to bring different different culture, and it should happen top-down, not the other way uh, around. Uh, so so that, that, that's, a, that's a big issue which um, goes in, 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 in combination with the political situation which I was um, uh, explaining. And again, I'm sorry, it's not kind of an obsession uh, with, with Russia, but it's just uh, the way it is, energy and defense. When you mention, when you say energy, you've said it all. For decades on end, Bulgaria was literally and chained. Hmm? And the food. The food. Oh, food is another weapon, of course, especially now, of course. But I was saying, of, I was thinking decades back. Because energy in Bulgaria was shaped in the time of the Soviet Union. It, 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 has, it all has this Soviet imprint. Uh, our experts were trained and worked in, within that, that system. So now that this is yet another uh, 
kind of difficult sphere to, to change, but and uh, um, energy is one of the most, uh, um, how should I put it, corruption-prone, corruption-vulnerable uh, 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 areas, plus defense, which is also totally uh, controlled by... You know, the irony with defense is that with the... Um, total collapse of the um, defense systems, both uh, air fighters and uh, um, uh, sea or maritime defense and land forces, it's all brought down to very limited uh, numbers of, of weaponry, uh, and they're Soviet-made. So it's, a, it's an irony that um, actually we did nothing uh, or not enough. You did so much. I, I admire what Poland did, and I, I keep following you very closely uh, for literally for everything. Um, lately, Finland uh, came very much to the fore. It's my, my favorite um, um, illustration and example. Uh, and this never happened in Bulgaria. Uh, I, was, I also served in parliament for 11 years. And I remember when we first started discussing the modernization of the Bulgarian army, I was in, in Washington already when, again, one more time, one more time we were modernizing the Air Force. One more time we were looking, uh, we were trying to shop around for air fighters. And uh, we were on the verge of purchasing one squadron, uh, 16 F-16s, uh, used F-16s secondhand from Portugal, when one um, coalition partner of the then government, this is the VMRO, uh, you have to remember that abbreviation, this is um, the, 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 the patriotic nationalistic party, which is not in government or in parliament anymore. They said, no, we are not buying secondhand. Bulgaria must keep its dignity. We have to, to, to purchase new aircrafts. Well, 15 years later, here we are with nothing, neither second-hand nor first-hand, nor, nor the MiGs even, uh, which cannot be repaired any, any longer in Russia or Ukraine. So this is the, a, a very good illustration of how processes have been moving in this country when it comes to limiting um, Russia's uh, impact and uh, um, Russia's uh, kind of... Uh, control uh, over Bulgaria in, in, and I'm saying energy and defense. You talked about the fact that you were in Washington. Indeed, for 12 years, you have watched from Washington what President Putin has been doing since 2001. When did you think that he was capable of such a war as he is now waging? Uh, thank you. That's really a great question because uh, I'm, I'm all... I'm, Actually, I'm giving the answer uh, to other media without being even asked. Actually, when uh, uh, it, it seems to go with the with with the American presidency, uh, I think every American president is somehow tempted to prove that he's the one or she's the one, but there's no she so far, who made the breakthrough with Putin. And that finally, you see, they, they, they came over. They, they saw the, the, the reason and the logic. Um, I remember when, when uh, President Bush uh, had this 
phrase of looking into the eyes of Putin and seeing his soul. I was sitting exactly that same way, like we were, we were sitting today. Uh, well, with President Bush, it can only be a remark, not with him, but with Mike McFall, who was his Russia aide at the time and who then departed to be U.S. ambassador in Moscow. And in the third week of his uh, uh, taking his position, he had this massive demonstration with attacks and all the rest. But Mike McFall would say that uh, um, this is kind of very negative attitude that I had towards Russia and towards Putin, that uh, there are, how should I put it, that there are um, prospects of, of, of doing business with him. And yes, it was that formula that actually he's someone who needs just to be handled properly. And I was arguing with no... Um, how should I put it, uh, with, with, with no pretense, with no attempt at uh, kind of using um, understatements. But, uh, and then, then uh, and, and during that same uh, period, um, I remember President Bush decided that um, they should uh, kind of build a special structure. It was the two plus two format, where the two defense ministers and the two foreign ministers, state secretary and, and foreign minister, would meet regularly to discuss uh, open issues, the world problems, etc. Okay, it did work for, I don't know, a few, maybe a year or a little bit more than that, and then over some other controversy, uh, they just um, stopped seeing each other. The, the format collapsed. Obama, same thing. Uh, he wanted the reset. Yeah, but during his ambition, during the time when he was trying to uh, carry out his ambition, uh, uh, the Crimea happened. And uh, he was not very strong uh, at the time in... Uh, no, no, nobody was actually, to be honest. Um, somehow Crimea was swallowed down by, by the West, by both the US and, and, and uh, the EU. Uh, and it's, it's no kind of no-brainer that uh, actually the, this war started eight years ago. This is already kind of a slogan that everybody repeats. So um, the, 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 there is this, um, uh, I would call it um, over-credulousness, or, or as I say, this ambition to, to be the one who will make this great kind of partnership work. No, it won't. It's been historically proven that Russia just doesn't operate that way, that doesn't, doesn't function that way. And I'll tell you what I'm also worried about when I'm saying that it's a way of rethinking 30 years ago. Look at what Kissinger is saying, even Biden, Macron the other day, we shouldn't humiliate Putin. Okay, we shouldn't humiliate Hitler, maybe. Uh, how does that work? Who would measure humiliation here? Uh, Putin has one idea of humiliation. The West, the free world, has a very different uh, um, idea of humiliation. Uh, okay, I know this is a kind of a truism, a philosophical truism, that you shouldn't kind of drive someone in the corner because uh, he should be able to have an escape. To have an, okay, yeah, that, that is true. I'm not arguing with the, 
the great philosophers, but you should be reasoning on the same plane, on the same intelligence level, as since you mentioned intelligence at the beginning of our conversation, or on the, on the a kind of a similar background, if you wish. Otherwise, concepts differ. Concepts never meet. Uh, and this is extremely worrisome. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not happy at all with, for, for a number of reasons before that as well. But uh, lately, uh, I'm right away worried by what M Macron keeps uh, repeating. Uh, Kissinger, uh, okay, but he deals with the, uh, what was possible back in the 70s, in the 70s of the, of the, of the past century. Um, and, and they say, okay, yes, Kissinger said this. All right, he did, but it doesn't work in 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 twenty twenty two. That's that's the problem. So, um, and I'm afraid this is something we will have to somehow work with or work around because when people like Kissinger or Macron or Biden even who said similar thing uh, some time ago, when these important names speak out in this way, can you imagine what impact, what, what, what effect this will have on uh, um, a divided population like, like the Bulgarian population? They, part of them, part of those who uh, started even uh, kind of uh, uh, a accepting Putin's motives for the war. Somebody even stepped out to say, well, we don't know, maybe uh, if Russia didn't attack, maybe Ukraine would have attacked Russia. There was even someone, and this is my former defense attache in Washington, who's now putting together a new political party, a former aide to, to President Radev who's also kind of a curious uh, personality. But then, if you had that decision-making power, how would you solve it? What is the solution to the problem of Putin and to the problem of Russia? I'll tell you, I, I, well, it's the Russians who should deal with Putin. Uh, but I know that we have to deal with Russia uh, because I don't think that's uh, probably, again, very pessimistic. But I don't think Russia will change a lot even if Putin is replaced. Uh, this is a paradigm. Uh, and as I say, it's been centuries it's since the, uh, the Ivan the Terrible that, that, that all this has been happening. So uh, it's a, I see it as a new version to dot zero of, uh, of the Cold War. A very strict um, Arrangement, which won't be easy to, to achieve at all, mostly in the field of armaments. We have to, and I've been insisting on this uh, ever since the war started, uh, ever since, not even the war, ever since the, the talks in Geneva failed, when Putin disregarded the answer which he received to his letter from both Biden and uh, Stoltenberg. And then again, what's happening now? He doesn't answer. What, we, we, there's just one way. You, you, knowing that this is, I'm sorry, this is not very feminine, uh, maybe not even very human or humane, but the, the idea of a, of a mutually assured destruction must be there, must be present. Otherwise, Putin will not, will not, just will not put down um, his weapons. I'm sorry, that's a very ugly thing to say. But um, 
You see, you know, the other thing, Rogozin, um, I'm sorry, it's just from this morning, when uh, Bulgaria and Montenegro and uh, Macedonia, uh, all three of them did not let Lavrov fly uh, over to Serbia. Rogozin steps forward and threatens with, uh, uh, with uh, nuclear weapons. He threatened all three countries, calling us cowards, the Romanians ungrateful, the, I don't know, the Montenegrins something else, and that we will now see that we will not have to give permission for the new nuclear weapon, the new missile, which will be sent our way. So this is as of this morning. I don't know if you can read my mind, but I just wanted to ask you to evaluate Lavrov, because he's a professional diplomat, and after February 24th, how would you assess his attitude? Who did he become? He's just the... Uh, he's the port-parole, as they say, he's the, the uh, spokesperson for Putin not his speaker, his spokesperson. You remember that that was an outrageous con press conference from Istanbul. No, it was Ankara or Istanbul. Where was the meeting? Ankara. Ankara, right, I'm sorry. Uh, when he, he flat, flat and clear, he, he said, no, we have, we, we've not entered Ukraine. You remember that? I, I'm still stuttering. I'm still faltering. It... This is one more proof to, to what I'm telling you. There, it's a different mentality. Let them be as they like it, as they find it good for themselves, but we should make sure that this does not transpire our way because that will ruin uh, uh, those countries which are uh, more vulnerable. That's the only solution. Very clear dividing line and uh, mutual controls and, and verifications. A new, a new variety of uh, the Cold War of the past. Regarding Cold War, there are two more questions. We were at the Globsec conference in Bratislava and, in fact, from the discussion between the Slovak Prime Minister and the Austrian Chancellor, it emerged that the countries of freedom and democracy, if we look at the whole world, are in the minority and we do not have the strength to convince, for example, Africa, that we are right. What do you think about it? Uh, this is actually the argument of uh, um, uh, the proponents of the uh, Putin arguments about Ukraine here in this country. I've uh, appeared on uh, talk shows with somebody who would tell me the same. He says, well, listen, uh, why it's a democratic world, so to say, uh, are just 20%, all the rest uh, are of a different view. And then I go back to the votes in the UN. I say, okay, yeah, that may be true, but look at what happened twice in the United Nations. So this is an argument which will be going back and forth, I agree. And since you mentioned food uh, earlier, which is again weaponized, not, not just energy, but food is also weaponized, uh, this is how Africa will judge. And maybe this is the reason why uh, Putin is now playing this card when the president of Senegal visited. Uh, you remember that he was promised, I don't know what, something, but he, Putin will now play the, the Africa card 
for sure. And China. Uh, now that's a an interesting dynamics with, with, with China, I think. Uh, China has become a little bit more cautious as compared to uh, a more open attitude to, to both Putin and, and Russia back uh, in, in early February. But they are now keeping their neutral stance. Um, if we manage to, to secure the food supply to Africa, and we have to do that, and I very much hope that uh, my country will be able to kind of participate in a, some small scale even with the Varna air, um, uh, port, um, because there are capacities for grain uh, exports from there. So hopefully that, that will happen. If we manage to, to offer food um, and, and uh, food exports to, to African countries, that could probably uh, save, uh, a, how should I put it, a, a, a denial of, uh, of those poorest countries in the world with regard to uh, the democratic world. But numerically, yeah, but when you look at that GDP, when you look at, uh, at uh, production, um, then, then the story is different and the numbers are different. But I know the argument. Finally, a question about intuition. How and when will the war in Ukraine end? Uh, you're, you're a clever one. If you didn't put the intuition part, I would have said nobody can say, nobody dares uh, guess. Uh, I, I'll tell you what I think, and I've thought it from the very start. Um, unless this kind of strict division is made uh, on the basis of power, because Russia knows power and strength when it sees it, it will go on forever because it will change nature. Uh, it will go from the battlefield, it will go to the um, uh, networks, it will go to hitting uh, sensitive um, infrastructure. It, 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 Russia will not let Ukraine be uh, unless uh, there is a serious threat for Russia from a different source. Ukraine cannot do it uh, on its own, for sure. I know what you may um, warn me against, that this will mean another world war. I, and I know everybody fears that. Uh, but if we do not draw the line of distinction, hopefully not with a war, but only a threat of war, um, this war will go on forever, changing changing um, methods, uh, changing targets. You see, even I was wondering at one point, uh, why, uh, it, it, why were they, the Russians, why were they hitting some obscure places? Um, some schools, let's say, were, were there, or just civilian uh, uh, targets. Um, lo the logic goes that they should be trying to destroy the uh, defensive uh, capacity of, of Ukraine. But no, it's more than that. They want to destroy everything that is stands for Ukraine. The Ukrainian thing, whatever it is. It may be schools, it may be graveyards, it may be anything. It should disappear. It should be kind of erased from the world. And this is outrageous. I don't know how, um, 
how we can just uh, sit and observe and make comments and not realizing what's what's happening there anyway thank you for the interview for the conversation thank you for the opportunity this was the political periscope the podcast is released every thursday at 7 p.m 